2: Okay, you ready, AP? Ready when you are. Let's lay this baby down. Lofty, you on the guitar, mate? you right to go? Yep, standing by. Bertie,
3: you on the bass? Yep, ready to go.
2: All right, here we go then. One, two, three, four.
1: Just too good old boys. Too good old boys. Never meeting the harm story never saw that had no hair
4: this day
1: that was born straighten the curves straighten the curves flatten the heels the coffee might get them but the Lord never will for casting <laughs> away
3: Hey everybody and welcome to or welcome back to the Mojo Radio Show. Just to bring up the speed, what do we do here? If you're a new passenger on the big red bus, the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show, we just find interesting people from any walk of life, people that we think have their mojo working in or out of work. We find them interesting, we chat to them, we extract what they do best to get their mojo working. So we can take those bits, put it into our world to get our mojo working. The driver behind the big red bus, Chief Engineer Robbo, uh, welcome to this week's episode, mate.
2: Thank you very much, mate. Nice to be on board, minus a couple of shiners this week, which is nice.
3: (laughs) Hey, now this is is a cracker uh, for the boys here in the studio. Before we start, I've got to put this in. I had a guest tweet us asking that we say hello specifically to AP. Oh. So I got a note from a guy called Raytheon who is a big YouTuber and he wanted to put some of our stuff into YouTube. And he says, Is that okay? And I went, Yeah, mate, it's cool. And he went, Keep up the good work and say hi to AP for him. So there you go, AP, you
2: celebrity, you. Hey. They've clearly never met.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. If you are just tuning in, we are going to kick ass. Supreme.
2: The Mojo Radio Show.
0: This
3: week's guest is Toaf Evans, who I find a very interesting young guy. Now, when I say young, he is only young, but he's had a pretty wild ride already in his young life, and that's due to a whole bunch of mental health struggles and some hardship that I think that happened to him and also he put himself through at that time. So Toph's remedy, attack it. With resilience and doing endurance events. And in doing so, he's found a new approach to face his own personal adversity. Now get this, so far, this guy has run forty endurance events in one year. Oh, to raise up. Yeah, to raise <laughs> awareness and money for cancer research. He's done a 60k ultra marathon on Mount Everest. Wow. This is one that gets me, a 12-hour and a 24-hour treadmill challenge and a 100k water walk carrying 25 liters on his shoulders from Geelong to Collingwood. <laughs> and what's really exciting and this talk about resilience and grit, he plans to endure a whole interview on the Mojo Radio yeah. Show.
2: <laughs> now that takes some grit. So, Toph, uh welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it.
3: When people walk up to you, Toaf and say, what do you do, how do you like to reply?
4: Yeah, it's a funny question, that, right? Um, for me, I'm here to help people with their resilience, help them be mentally stronger. That's essentially what I'm about.
3: You, only being a young guy... You're a good-looking good young rooster. You're fit. Oh, you I look should, healthy. <laughs> Steady on, Gary. <laughs> no, but it's, this is really curious for me, that you look at these guys that many from the outside world would look at and go, you've got it going on. Yet you had some really dark times and suffered to, from depression. How did that happen, Tove? How did you end up in a dark place at such a young age?
4: I was always a fine kid growing up. Like yes I I got bullied a fair bit at one point but that isn't what really pented up everything but it was just everyday issues that kind of just and how I how I dealt with them and I was bottling up as a as a male in particular we we as males we have this preconceived notion of ego driving or testosterone controlling us and that's what essentially happened to me and I didn't know what the power of uh vulnerability was because like, dude, I was coming across like business troubles. I was coming across financial troubles, relationship troubles, all these things that just happened. All they all seem to happen at once, and for me, it, it kind of increased my my threshold was just kind of maxing out, and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I, I kind of started masking as a person, right? I started doing a lot of a lot of alcohol, a lot of hard drugs, and I'm talking like as a kid who liked to party now and then. It became like every weekend to every day kind of thing and this was this was all while I was traveling too so it was a very absurd uncanny moment for me to realize the traveling was amazing but I was I, I didn't I was losing myself as a person and I was losing my purpose especially living every day like a Saturday where I would destroy my life and because I wasn't happy with who I was as a person because I wasn't able to handle stress that's essentially what I and my so resilience was the opposite of me Funnily enough, that's what I do today. But one thing led to another to another, and as I think a lot of people can relate to this, but I was I got to a point where I was too busy comparing myself to other people. I was too busy putting these stupid expectations on myself. I was, um, and it probably didn't help when you're dealing with like substances as well. And dude, it just got worse and worse and worse. And I wasn't looking after my body. I was I went off the rails at one point. And it got to a point where every, like, almost every stranger I was coming across was go, just going, You're an absolute dick. And it, that really was a massive kick in the face because I was never really like that kind of person. And how I was treating myself was how I was treating everyone around me, whether it was friends, family, strangers never met. And it just got worse and worse. And I essentially, I just lost to myself worse, all because of like, all this, have you ever seen when you put a Mentos into a Coke bottle and it just become, it causes this crazy chemical reaction? I was the, I was the Coke bottle. I, was become, I ended up becoming the Coke bottle um, because I, I was imploding, and that's probably the best analogy to use. And it's cool to watch when it's in slow motion, but it's not cool when it's you. One thing led to another, and I totally became an entirely different person, and it just got to the point where I wanted to end everything through, like, suicide. And when I look at it now, I'm not here to compare my rock bottoms or adversity to everyone because everyone goes through their own struggles and pain. But the more I look into this subject, there's a lot of people going through something very, very similar. And, you know, they may have not lost a leg or anything like that, but there are certain moments in their life, pivotal moments, you could say, that just kind of build up and build up. And as a person, I should have been at least having that inner circle of people I can talk to about this stuff because... The, like struggles and sort of obstacles in life are inevitable they're going to come especially when you're least expected and it, what i kind of did it for me was actually end up talking to people and end up being lay, woman at first because as a male it's it's hard to talk to your mates about this stuff, especially when some of them haven't even gone through their own rock bottom but when you feel you're going to be judged and that's that's a That's like a very powerful way to destroy a man's masculinity, like talk about his masculinity, say how much of a girl he is, whatever. So that self-esteem would be – destroying that self-esteem would just be as bad as kind of opening up. So for me, it was like, you know what? If if you ever notice that you put a bunch of women together, they're going to just vent out, especially um, at like a a restaurant wherever it is. But you put a bunch of guys together, it's kind of the opposite. So – for me, if I can talk about like the struggles I've gone through, and another guy's like, "Damn, I'm not, I don't feel alone," then I feel like I've done something right with speaking on this podcast. And essentially, that was the depression I was going through, and it was it wasn't just depression; it was depression and anxiety. Depression's when you're living when you don't care about anything, and anxiety's when you care about everything. So when you have, um, I, I like to say like this mental tug of war, where if you think of when you're at school camp or you're at um, or at sports day, whatever it was back at school. And you, you imagine playing tug of war and you're holding into the middle and you got two really strong dudes, like just feature like two Samoan dudes on one each side. And they're just, they're just, again, they're just added against each other. And you're in the middle holding on for dear life. Um, that's what it felt like. And it feels like the world's caving in on you, but essentially it's really not. But I was, I came to the conclusion that I was going through an egocentric paradigm at the same time, right? I'm thinking I have it worse than everyone else, but. You guys go through stress, and everyone I've ever encountered goes through stress. It's not just me. So it was a very powerful life lesson to figure that one out, but I'm glad I kind of went through all those struggles.
3: You mentioned the word vulnerability. How did, yeah. how did vulnerability help you cope?
4: Um, I'll tell you why. If you look at the mind like an attic, right, like, no, I think that's the best way to approach it because the attic is at the top of the house and the mind is where the head's are. And essentially my attic was full. I couldn't put anything else in there. And now it's time to declutter it, like time to get rid of some things. And the things that are in there were causing termites. And it was a matter of removing those things to get rid of those mental termites. Um, I was holding on to like such a burden that it kind of magnified into so much more. So the best best, um, way to explain this is, if you think of, I don't know if you guys maybe have got like a bottle of water in front of you, but like if you were, it may weigh like maybe three, 400 grams, right? If you, it's, it, it doesn't weigh that much. But holding your arm out and holding that bottle of water for 24 hours would feel like, after 24 hours, holding it straight would feel like 400 kilograms. And profoundly enough, it's still only 400 grams. Now, the, I've, I've learned that the, the, the chatter that goes in your mind that we all go through Whether it's yelling or whispering, it's the same volume. And it's as if when you keep bowling onto things, it's as if the whispers turn into yells. And essentially, it it ends up feeling like a 400 kilogram weight. It feels like that weight. And the more you hold onto it, it gets heavier and heavier to the point where you feel so lethargic, even though you didn't do anything all day. But those mental worried thoughts feel so tangible that it's just a matter of just kind of letting them go and letting them out. So that's where I see vulnerability being a powerful tool. But however, there seems to be like this negative connotation attached to vulnerability because there seems to be a bit of a stigma behind it. So I think a very powerful way to flip the paradigm is instead of using the word vulnerability, you just use the word sharing. I just want to share what's on my mind when you're talking to someone, whatever it is.
3: Yeah, that's gold.
4: Vulnerability kind of means letting your guard down. And when you guard down, people can just just stab at me or – it, when humans thrive off security, we really do, because it's, it's just a fear-based thing that goes with a very clever ancestral brain that just goes back from 10,000 years ago that's trying to survive us. It's not as smart as it used to like, It's not that helpful in today's life because everything's fear-based. It was okay when we are against the Lion or Tiger back in the day, but what I've realized is if you use the word sharing, sharing kind of flips the switch because sharing means to give and sharing also means like it's, it's it's just one of those words in the human vernacular that means that kind of means like a positive it's always going to mean something positive so I feel if you share what's on your mind as opposed to being vulnerable I don't mind being using the word vulnerable because I, I know the good it does but for people out there that are just trying to get things off their chest if they talk about like I just want to share what's on my mind I think that's going to be it's going to feel a little bit more acceptable at first.
3: You know, it's funny, Toph, hearing you speak and looking at your website, looking at your stories, there will be people right now who would look, look at you, hear your stories, read your stuff, look at what you've achieved on Everest or marathons, ultras, swims, and they'd be comparing themselves to you. And they'd be going, yeah, it's okay for you, mate. Yet, in your mind, comparison is... A resilience killer, isn't
4: it? Oh, dude, it's a cancer. Straight up, it's a cancer. Like, what happens is, um, now, like, I think social media is a double edged sword, right? I think it's the greatest gift in the world because it's connected me with you guys, for example, right? We connected through social media. But if you're using it to see where people, where they're at, their lives, where they're at, or if you're using it for the wrong things, like just looking at things that are going to just use all your energy, um, you know, I've been stuck down the YouTube rabbit hole many times and I try and stay clear of it now. And yeah. however, sometimes we look at people like um, maybe people's Instagrams and we go, damn it, look at where they're at. The thing is, they're running a completely different race to you. If you realize that if anyone tries to compare themselves, even with me, and it's like, my God, dude, I haven't even I don't even think I've made it. Like I, I'm still a very long way away from where I want to be. We have, uh, so if anyone's listening, we are born in different eras. We were born in, we have different parents. We we look completely different, my God. We probably think completely different. So therefore, the entire trajectory is gonna be different. Even like, you know what, even identical twins are a little bit different. So you can't even compare, I think comparing is gonna do more harm than good. I think if you just focus on being yourself.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: Laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work by law, 80 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: You know what you can learn from others and what they call standing on the shoulders of giants. So learning what learning from the greatest and kinda of be backing on top of that with your own flair, that's totally fine. But if you want to be for example, I love LeBron James. I, I would never ever be like him. Or I can't compare myself to any other runner, writer, to any other s- speaker, because they're on a completely different journey and their journeys are going to be completely different. I think. If we just focus on ourselves being the best versions of ourselves and instead of competing um, with each other, more of collaborating, that kind of mentality and, and helping as well. I think that that's when you can help someone that gives you that. Not only will that give you a bit of purpose, but that's also doing it for a cause greater than yourself to the point where you don't know what day it is. And I think that gets rid of that that notion of, thank God it's Friday, where you're like, I'm actually living every day like it should be.
3: I want to ask you an interesting question now toth about yeah. the last couple of years you and i won't rattle off the whole the, the list of things you've done but you've done 24 hour runs you've done an ultra marathon on mount everest you have done 12 hour swims 80k stand up paddle boards and there's loads of them over the last number of years if we are to share and you are to be a vulnerable right here now. When you take on a challenge like this, how physically prepared are you for it? How much is in, I've done the work, I am physically prepared, I've trained my ring off, and I'm ready to go? How much of it is that? Or how much is it you train a bit, but you put yourself into the hole? and rely completely on your resilience and grit. What's the balance between those things for you on a typical event?
4: I love this question because I haven't been asked this one before, like in the way that you said it. Funnily enough, She'll Be Right has got me pretty far. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs>
3: it sounds like our show, mate.
4: <laughs> I think thing is, man, you can only plan so much, right? Um, with Like with a marathon, whatever, if you're doing it first time, like highly recommend doing it like a training plan or at least having a coach, whatever it is. For me, it gets to a point where the, the mental to physical ratio is constantly shifting closer towards the mental side of things. So when I probably ran my first marathon, it would have been 65 mental, 35 physical. That's what I thought. Nowadays, everything's always like in the 90s in regards to mental because you, you get to a point where your body, human body is incredibly resilient. Like some of those events that you, you mentioned, like running around for 24 hours, two days later, I'm back on my feet again. And that's unreal. It's like, how is, how is my body able to do this? And it, it's kind of like a, a muscle memory in a way when, you, when you're when you constantly training your, your body for that. But part of me is all about training the mind, especially for these races. And at the same time, it's it's like, for example, I did a race about a month ago in the Blue Mountains. It's like this 100K race. It's like one of Australia's, um, uh, like one of their big races, right? And Which I, so is I the
3: North Face or the six-foot
4: track? It used to be called the North Face 100. Right. Now it's called yep. UTA 100. Um, okay. Six-foot track's in there about 50K in. Right. And I, I said to myself, don't focus on time, time limits because that's just an extra burden. I'm not here to come first. <laughs> um, for me, it's hey, what's the best? Like I just want to constantly be growing and growing. And I looked at it like – the mentality I went into this race was to I think it's a training run for the bigger ones that I'm doing. So it was if we can use arbitrary numbers here, you've got two and a half percent at the start, two and a half percent at the end. And those moments are actually really easy to deal with. Anyone can deal with the joyous moments. Even like nerves is not too bad. But when you're in the grit, in the shit, you should say. For me, this is where I said just focus on remembering like just focus on like being as present as possible. Even and it, like 60K in when it's just thousands of stairs and my body doesn't want to deal with it, all I just said is just be grateful for this moment because it's going to make the rest of your day easier. So for me, as well as training my mind leading up to the races, during the races, where you're digging the deepest, that's where you find out the most about yourself because it, it's, it feels like a make or break kind of moment. It's like I really want to prove to myself I can do these things. I'm not here to show anyone else up um, because everyone's got their own problems in life. But I'm not entitled to say to prove this person wrong because they're going through their own things and they're trying to deal with their own their own challenges and their own accomplishments and their own ambitions. But for me, it's training the mind, so regarding your question, it's mainly training, um, putting myself through purposeful suffering. I know that sounds so masochistic, um, but so that I can – Finish these, what seem like Herculean events.
3: Tell me more about purposeful suffering because it's not something you hear those two words put together, is it? Like, normally, suffering is something that you don't really want to have face up to, but it is imposed upon you, or Mother Nature finds a way to bring it to you. But you're actually, in a way, going looking for it. And as the Navy SEALs would say, you're looking to embrace the suck. Is that something you've put into your mind artillery now? Is that something that you have as a conscious thing that you are looking to challenge yourself with?
4: Yeah, every day, dude, literally every day. Um, so purposeful suffering or um, simulated adversity, that's another one. Oh, um, nice. I've learnt that especially in, like, there's a very common pattern between first world countries, between like America and Australia and Canada and especially the UK as well um we we have it we have it so easily accessible right with everything and anything that we need any sort of resource and we we actually have more opportunity than a lot of people and the moment we come up because we're living life so much more easier than a few other countries and i'm not here to compare but i'm just saying that if you look between the two um we, we don't really have adversity or dealing with grit as as a habit these days so when the moment we come across any sort of any sort of stress, it feels like the worst thing. So the fastest way for me to do that is by putting myself through something scary every day, anything that's going to just essentially make my hands clammy and increase the heart rate and something new as well, just to change things up, um, just to change the routine up, just to keep my creativity going. By doing that, it, it it's kind of instilled in my neural pathways that, okay, this is just another day. So when you're talking about the Everest project, we we did a bit of climbing as well before we did the run, and we had to go over ladder crossings over crevasses. And this was one thing I was actually looking forward to. And if you ever seen the, the the Everest movie, the recent one, you're like, we had to pretty much do those man, over the ladders. And I'm thinking, like, if you fall in a crevasse, you're kind of screwed. Like, it's hard to get out. This is one of the biggest killers of climbers. And my first thought is. <laughs> I've got this. Like that's what I was thinking to myself when I'm crossing this because I'm used to putting myself through these stupid races and being on the, and just being able to harness my mind um, and, you, and using the power of negative thinking. <laughs> I know this is sounds so counterintuitive and um, so different, but there's going to be a time where anyone's listening and, you know, they may have not gone through heavy depression or whatever, but, or doing these crazy endurance events, but they may have gone through a job loss or there would have been a time where they're, their partner left them out of nowhere or their house could have been burnt down for winter. But it's going back to those moments and thinking, not looking at the mistakes because that's just going to destroy you, but just go back, man, if I can go through that, I can go through anything. And I, I use it to this day. So it's like if I can go through all that turmoil I did years ago, because it, it was literally the loneliest time I've ever been through. And I'm not talking single, being single. I'm talking like disconnected from the human, from the human race somehow that – the moment i i feel like i can go through that then i can then i this is just another day now and it and it's about and it's like the, the mind is kind of like a mental gym if there's a muscle in there, man. and that's why i'm always on about like the six pack mind it's always good to six pack bodies right the six pack mind i think is more incredible because that's what's going to get you through adversity that's what's going to get you through whether it's growing a business or doing these stupid races that i do or Get, starting a new relationship, whatever it is, like a business relationship or like a new marriage, whatever, you need to constantly be working that mind. So, because life is just going to throw funny things at you, curveballs left, right and center. So if you constantly put yourself in the habit of, doing like enjoying the shit then it gets to the point that you actually are looking for it all the time and when you come across it it's just another day so now it's habit do
3: you know i heard you mention uh, mm-hmm. a statement you said it's rewiring our neural pathways mm-hmm. the question i've got and i'm not sure if you can answer this but is that actually a fact or is that a metaphor for what we're doing like is there is there a pathway for resilience and grit we are chemically, physically changing in our mind that is strengthening it. So we have a bridge, say, and the more steel we put into it, the stronger it is. But when you walk away from the bridge, it remains. It's not something that deteriorates over time. Is this yeah. is this really rewiring Tofig, where we are building a new pathway we can call upon that gets stronger, and it's a resilience thing in our mind? Or is it purely a metaphor that once we've done it, we have to keep going back and building and building and then it goes away and to rebuild, rebuild? Do you know much about
4: that? Yeah, so there's a cognitive bias that we go through called, of, I think there's 25 top ones, and one of them is you use it or you lose it, right? If, you, if you're that muscle's going to wear off, and it's the same thing in the mind, it's, it's kind of constant and it's kind of like when you realise it's got to be like a lifestyle shift as opposed to doing a 12-week challenge and then you think you're done right? or you I can eat Maccas again you're going to like what the fence that goes up quick falls down quick. It's like an almost staying and the fence that goes up nice and steady will stay up. And so I, I recently did a project where I wrote a book and I collaborated on it with um, a friend of mine who's a doctor has got a doctorate in psychology. And she told me the analogy of think of the mind as this open grassy soccer field, right? And it's full of high grass. And the moment you have a habit taking in place, it's as if there's like this imaginary groundskeeper that is grabbing their lawn mower and they're starting to mow tracks in there, whether it's a straight track or a curved track. And have you guys ever driven to work and gone, I don't even remember driving here. Has that ever happened yeah, to
3: you? Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: It's because it's it, you've done it so many times and it's like brushing your teeth. You don't even need to set a reminder anymore. And it's like like a good analogy, it's like think of music lyrics. You might hear a song for the first time, oh, that's not too bad. And then you start singing, and by the end of it, you start rapping all the songs. and was like, how the hell do you know this? It's just through repetition. So like a reps and sets mentality. Um, like think reps and sets in the gym. It's just the same thing for, for regular mental habits too. So over time, you keep trying. The first time you're going to do something, you're going to suck 100%. It's, you're just going to be rusty. And then before you know it, it's like that groundskeeper has just done it to the point where – they're mowing the grass so you can see the track clearly and it, now it's become a daily habit and it's usually 66 days of daily habit to start to rewind neural pathways it used to be 21 but that myth got debunked by the university college london in 09 and before you know it you make that habit and you, the, the key is start super small and then build the crescendo start super small um, so the fear is bearable to the point where now it doesn't feel at work as much Let's get insatiably curious. And that's what I did was like endurance sports. I, I've done this and I thought, let's see what I can do now. Like when I said that, I'm not saying, let's see if I can beat this person now. Let's see what I can do now. And I think that that really helps with, with the human psyche. It, it will help it just keep growing. So, and you're in competition with yourself. If you look at it like that, it, it's, life is more of an adventure because you can only control yourself.
3: Let's, you've got an amazing curriculum of adventures and events you've done to take me to an, an absolute moment where you can recall being in an event mm-hmm. where you actually went to that place where you said to yourself, I'm no longer racing. Now I'm surviving. Mm-hmm. And I yep. don't know if I can I don't know if I can do this. Like I, I think I'm done. I think I'm gonna have to stop and pull out. Take yep. me to an event Got so and that <laughs> moment you can you can feel it in your soul like, oh, man, I remember what that was like.
4: Oh, there are so many. Actually, I've got one for you. So in March last year, um, ran a friend and I, We when we were an endurance duo, um, we're kind of doing solo projects these days. But one of the events we did was we had a 400-metre track and we ran around it for 24 hours. Um, and this was a family that lost their dad. So we wanted to give back to everything for the family because they just obviously lost a father figure and a husband and a source of income. So whatever we could raise we can go back to them. And he was an endurance athlete, so this would be something that he would actually do. Um, so I'm flying like 17 hours in, right? I was up to, up to 17 hours in and I had to stop and everything's seizing up. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know if I can continue on. And it, there are times where you everything, like your muscles are just – twitching and you, you're having trouble walking and you can't think straight and everything's coming in a massive blur. It's like as if I'm on the big night on the piss, but without my legs, but my legs in so much more pain and the the family we did it for the the widow, she flew down and she's, she's helping me get by and we're just, I'm having, I'm at a point where I can't even run. I'm just walking. I'm walking the track, not very fast though, but I'm looking back in perspective and I'm thinking, you know what, if she can continue on, she can, she can still keep a smile and she just lost her husband and their kids can still maintain composure and they've lost them forever, then I can run another more seven hours. This is nothing. It was like that, that powerful perspective. There's always someone that's got it worse. For example, um, I did an, uh, these stupid 24-hour challenges. Why did I do these? Um, one of them was a treadmill challenge for 24 hours. And that was for people with cancer, right? It was raising money for cancer research. And it wasn't until eight hours in that I'm thinking, I've got 16 more hours of this shit. And how am I going to get through this one? And people with cancer are flying, like they're driving and they're coming in to see us from all over the state. And it's just like, thank you for everything you're doing. And it's like, you're welcome. And it's like, you guys have cancer. You guys have it much worse. And like that perspective of going, oh, wow. Like I'm actually really grateful to go through all the pain years ago to
3: That's chumbacasino.com.
4: No purchase necessary. DW Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, has been probably the biggest life lesson I could This really smack me in the face. So that's been the biggest aha moment, getting through these, the struggles. And there's all at the end of the day, there's always someone that has it worse.
2: A couple of weeks ago, we went through that in the studio. Gary had the, uh, Doseckis and corn chips out. And, uh, he, he's had to decide whether he had room for one more Doseki or another pack of corn chips. <laughs> but um, I challenged him and he, he pushed his way through both successfully. So what a champion, what a champion. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's good that you could humanise the show, Robbo.
4: <laughs> it's like that, that little taco chick. Why not both? Right, exactly. <laughs>
3: it's only a <here> with within.
4: thin. <laughs> they definitely yeah. come hand in hand, tacos and beer. I mean, oh
3: no, yeah, <laughs> Mate, you just mentioned the word impact. Tell me, yes. take me back to a time in your life where you made a choice in that moment that you know has had an enormous impact on Toph as a man today.
4: Yeah, that's that's a, an amazing question. Actually, um, I had no idea what impact was. Right, like, and not until I started to incorporate uh, like a very strong gratitude practice, as well as like being gra- grateful for everything I have these days, it's when you can practice enough gratitude, um, it will change your definition of reality, right? It makes you grateful for everything you have. It makes you focus on what you have not what you're missing. And when you can like a very impactful moment, I think this is one of the biggest ones today, besides being on the treadmill and actually people coming up to you saying, thank you. What the last event I did for last year was 50 K, this 50 K run in the most humid time of the year in December, In Santa Sue, right? And did it for two kids. Obviously, did it for the kids for like they don't get to experience Christmas, but you've got two kids actually gone blind and gone blinded by literally by the day. They have this very rare, incurable disease called retinitis pigmentosa. And crossing the finish line, had a sack of presents for the 100 meters to go. And giving the presents to the kids. And, like, it was insane. Like, there was, a, like, a standing ovation. I can remember this moment quite vividly, actually. You've got the – it's, like, as if the other runners are, like, let them go through first. You don't want anyone in the finish shoot right now. And then I had never met the dad. I'd met the mum. And, obviously, she's, like, tearing up all this kind of stuff. But the dad is looking at me and he's, like, dude, thank you so much. I, like, I don't know how I can ever repay you. It's, like, I don't I don't want any money or anything. Like this. I, mean, I just want you to – so your kids can experience this and have memories even when they go blind. And, like, that power of impact is like, oh, my God, that's that was one of the best feelings I've ever experienced ever. And, like, that for me, that's like impact doesn't have to be through raising funds, like raising awareness or a powerful message or um, something that people can relate to. Um, I've noticed is just as powerful. And I feel if it's for a cause greater than, than yourself, obviously you, you're doing stuff – there's stuff personally that you're trying to conquer throughout that, but there's also stuff that you're trying to help the human race as well. Um, that can inspire others to be part of the journey or pay it forward or just try and focus on being better human beings. And instead of like a B2B or a B2C mentality, it's a H2H mentality. It's human to human. And uh, funnily enough, I, as long as I, you were talking about America at the start, I love, I love America. I love the people there. I have no idea what's going on with the politics. I don't think anyone ever does. But <laughs> this this whole "Make America Great Again," I think is a bunch of bullshit. Because if, for example, if a, if another species were to come across us, right? There's a chance that it may happen one day. It's like, all right, this is what we have. This is what we have to offer. But you can't connect with America because they're just focusing on themselves, right? And it's and let's. I think it's dividing and. I think we should be focusing on the whole human race because you can grab someone from America, you can grab you guys, grab myself. We're all made up of the same elements in life, carbon, oxygen, nitrogen and water. And you can look at all of our x-rays and you wouldn't really know who's who. So at the end of the day, we're all made up of the same things and we're all human beings, but we just spread it across the world. Um, I think it's okay to give someone a helping hand because that that bridges the gap when there's some sort of disconnect because that's when depression anxiety and even suicide can really cultivate from there's
3: practicing gratitude and mm-hmm. i know through looking at your stuff you are and you just mentioned that you are a person who practices gratitude on a daily or regular basis yep tof do you also go down the track of practicing delayed gratification
4: yeah so for me delayed gratification um ties in with willpower quite nicely and it might be, there are, with these things I'm talking about, someone's like, I don't want to go to that extent. i have just had a point where I'm just curious to know what I can do. But there's always, you can start really small. For example, hypothetically, if you're running, just focusing on getting to the next lamppost before you start walking. Just focusing on, just start small, like really small goals. And it's, you know what, there's, there's an amazing test. And if anyone's listening that has four-year-old children, try it on them. And the, there's, there's something called the, the marshmallow test. I don't know if you lads have heard of these before, but. Essentially, there was a a renowned psychologist from Stanford, and his name was Walter Mitchell, and he wanted to study delay gratification for your children. This weird test that he came up with, and he would set these kids into the room one at a time, and he would give them a there's a plate and there's a marshmallow, and he said, "I have to leave the room. I'll be back in 10 minutes. If there's a marshmallow still there, you get two marshmallows." And he would notice some of the kids that whether they would take him, whether they grab him, whether they just want to lick, but the kids that had very strong willpower at age four, it correlated that they had, they maintained a very strong relationship with willpower later on in life, and that, essentially that gives you stronger discipline. Now, I'm not mean discipline like it, there seems to be even a negative connotation on it, but it just means self control. And can you can you grow? Can you develop willpower? I, absolutely, because I know what it's like to have n- no willpower and what it's like to have willpower. And for me, it was. I did it through running and I understood that there's this little person in your head going, stop, dude, why, why are not we just in bed watching Netflix? <laughs> but I realized that I'm trying to do it for like a cause greater than myself. That always sort of helps. And that gave me a bit of purpose because have you ever noticed if, um, for example, if you want to meet up, if you're getting up at 5.30 to go for a run to meet up with someone, there's a good chance that you'll meet up with them because you don't want to let them down. And, but if you just don't, just to train yourself it's a little bit harder and you can you can snooze because you just say eh it's just myself that kind of thing so i've learned that to increase your willpower is to have to do something for a course greater than yourself that always helps whether it's a charity thing or it's you know you want to grow your business because you know it can benefit it can literally benefit a lot of people whatever it may be but delayed gratification can definitely grow and focus on i think if we keep that analogy of I actually want the two marshmallows instead of the one. And that's like the two marshmallows of life, right? Like I don't want to eat that – eat the dessert because I know it's going to do terrible things to me. But there will be a time when I can pig out, but it's going to be a time when I've earned it.
3: Tim Tam test.
4: The Tim Tam <laughs> test, 100%. <laughs> like, for example, when I when I do some of these big races, 80Ks in, I might like down a beer, literally, because it not only does it numb everything, it feels like I've earned it at that point as opposed <laughs> to just <laughs> – And I'm still in the race. Like, I'm still
3: gone. Do you know, I've just got an interesting um, spin on something for you, Tove. So you have mentioned during the show discipline a couple of times or willpower. You've written blogs about it. And I totally buy into what you're saying is that we, it's a great attribute to have. And I, I am thinking that we, it's something that we are sadly lacking as a society right now when you look at our Situation with relationships and wellness and everything else. However, I want to flip it around because discipline is always talked about as something we can foster for the good. In your dark days, back when you were doing all the wrong things, mm-hmm. when you look back, has discipline always been a part of your world, your ability to be disciplined and endure? was it working against you? So when you were depressed and suffering from anxiety and going into that dark place, did you find that your discipline and endurance was still there, but it was just being used in a negative way?
4: Yes, 100%. I feel I was doing things in the opposite direction. And it was essentially what I was doing was my mind, like going into the spiral and you, you literally are what you think and you are what you consume. And it doesn't help when you're consuming the wrong the wrong things because that's just going to amplify what, what you're experiencing. So it always helped when I was hanging. You know what really did it for me too? Like being around the right people. So when I started running, like being a part of like specific groups, at the end of the day, like <laughs> um, you're going to come across other people that are going through something similar and you end up becoming kindred spirits and you end up realizing that, my God, I'm not the only person going through this. And that helps with your discipline. I think it becomes a team thing. Like, if you've ever, um, a lot of the most successful people, whether they're in sport, humanitarian reasons, business, whatever, when they talk about the success that they've accomplished, they always say it wasn't just me. I have a whole team behind what I do. And I think that helps with in self-development too, right? You can't, I, I think you need, you need people on your team to help you because sometimes it feels, you feel hopeless. But by doing that, things start to, the human connection starts to bridge a lot stronger between the two. So for me, I feel like the discipline was there, but I just wasn't tapping into it.
3: So I reckon we don't talk about that. I, I don't think we talk about discipline because there are people who would have a glass of wine every night with dinner without fail. Mm-hmm. There are those that have to have morning tea when it gets to 10, 10.30, got to have a biscuit. They go to a conference and it's 12, 12.30, got to eat. And you go through their day mm-hmm. and they are very disciplined And they are very passionate about what they want to do they're just doing the wrong things and we say we don't think about that we go well you need to be disciplined in order to do the good things but i reckon if you reviewed most people's worlds they are very disciplined they're just doing it in the wrong thing so it proves to them you are disciplined Mm -hmm. you just need to move it from negative things to positive things but I've, i've never really heard anybody talk about that
4: you don't want to like traumatize yourself and take on everything at once right it's like when you go to the gym for the first time or the first time in ever like, like in a long time, you don't want to do like, see how much you can knock out in the first week because you're going to, you're not, you have to build like this evolutionary stable strategy. It's like negotiating, negotiating with your body and the mind. And it's, it's literally a matter of starting small. And it's like, what can I do today? What's the one thing I can do today to increase my, increase my, my willpower? Maybe so, some people completely different. I'm one of those people that just wants to, if I'm all or nothing, right. So I have to do things called Turkey if I have to stop. Some people do things in moderation. Obviously, we all have different minds and it's knowing what you're good at. Those, It's it's good understanding what, like that self-awareness. But there's also like a self-acceptance too. And it's like, all right, if I want to get better, something has to give, right? And it, it, whether you're scaling a business or even your podcast, it's the same thing with scaling up as a person. You Things have to give to get to the next level. And it's like, all right, what can I do today? And then it gets to the point where, all right, I'm getting pretty good at this. Now let's focus on a different facet in life or maybe you can do two things at once, whatever it may be. But I think if we just focus on one thing, like you're right, some people might have, some people that you mentioned, they might have a bad like nutrition kind of discipline, but they might be really good in what they're doing in regards to business. That yeah. like, They might be a top notch. So where they're really good at that, it's like maybe we're pretty good at that. Let's maybe expend some of that energy into those things that, and I think in regards to health, I think that should always be a high priority because I think Branton said it best. Like if you don't have good health, how the hell are you going to make good decisions? Cause it do works out like first thing in the morning, he's able to manage 300 businesses, something ridiculous. And I think, um, always having the health a priority on the top of your mind. Since I made that like my overall happiness and gratitude and appreciation in life has increased and the relationships has increased and, um, just work has like a lot of vision and, and clarity as well. And you're talking about um, suffering before with purposeful suffering. What's the, the benefit of suffering? Now, this is going to sound, oh my God, like who is this dude talking about the benefit of suffering, but it, it, it teaches you a powerful compassion. It teaches you like, not only do you think empathetically of like people cause you're like, oh, I don't want anyone to go through that pain, but you literally can feel other people's pains and you want to, help them get out of it because you know what it's like and you don't want anyone to go through the same thing. Um, and even I think another discipline that we should all maybe even take in is like, a, like literally being kind to a lot more people um, where, where there's a lot of smart people in the world. I, th- I feel like we're not, we're not dying on the rate of, of how they're growing because I feel it's like technology. Like they're just going to constantly be there. But I feel um just having that kindness, gratitude is it helps so much, whether it's in business or just as human people, because it's going to come back tenfold when you least expect it.
3: What's Tove searching for? When when you sit in your quiet moments and you've got your journal open and you're dreaming of the future, what are you searching for?
4: That's a very good question. Besides, like, what's the next race that I can do? <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, for me, it's... It's really focusing on human connection and realizing that to show people that, yes, you might be going through hell, but this is going to make your life, this is actually part of the process. So um, right next to me, there's a bunch of books, like a massive bookworm. And a lot of the, the greats I look up to, they all came from a trajectory of pain. And it's a matter of teaching people that, right? Like at a point when I was at my loss of lows, like literally trying to OD, it's it's coming to that point. It's like, this was meant to be, but this is not how I'm meant to go. And it's a weird, profound juxtaposition. And it's a matter of teaching the people that are at the lowest of lows or anyone that's going through a slump and knowing that, you know what, you can break your own limits. It's just obviously hanging around the right people. And there's so much more to it than that. But I think if we focus on, for me, it's, it's using that adversity, which as a strength, you end up focusing on being the comeback, right? So you think in sports, when a team is down 30 points and you've got people walking out of the stadium and then they end up coming back to win, it's like, holy shit, they actually made it. They won it. And I think if we focus on ourselves being as the comeback, but you need setbacks for that to happen. I think for me, it's a matter of teaching people that and instilling it through very unconventional methods. In your book,
3: Everyone Has a Plan Until shit hits the fan, mm-hmm. what are you, as the author, trying to say?
4: The reason why I wrote the book was to give people practical resilience, right? Those two words should be pretty self-explanatory. Things you can take away to make your life mentally stronger. So essentially, I wrote this book to get someone out of a slump or, you know, what, even if it can prevent someone from committing suicide, absolutely. Um, I've also noticed that I'm getting messages from people going, dude, I've just signed up for a marathon or... They want to break their own limits and do something. Um, for me, it was teaching people how to adapt and bounce back. That's that's essentially what the book is about. So it comes back to evolutionary psychology, where Dr. David Buss, who is a absolute gun at this, at this topic, he was saying – I'm paraphrasing, absolutely paraphrasing what he said, but he said, you don't have to be the smartest, the strongest, the richest, the fastest person in life to succeed. They're all bonus traits, even the valedictorian at school. What actually – uh, what actually makes it, what makes it for you if you can succeed is if you know how to adapt and bounce back, whether it's your, your the, the, the top businesses in the world know how to obviously pivot and adapt, but it's a matter of bouncing back and having your own comeback. And you have several comebacks in life. Um, and so for me, that's what the book is essentially about how to adapt and bounce back.
3: I'm going to let you go because I'm, I'm conscious of the time today how do how do mentally strong high achievers how do they quantify their own self worth Toph, with the stuff you've been through, and obviously mm-hmm. being an author now launching at uh, you know big 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 events. How 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 do you think people who are mentally strong who achieve great things how do they how do they quantify their own self worth?
4: I think um, for me, depression. I'm speaking on behalf of myself. Depression is a state of worthlessness. The moment you can get to a point where people are seeking you for advice or whatever, it starts to increase your worth, literally. Like people want to see you and you're like, why do you want to see me about this? And what happens for that is like a cool little trick. If anyone's listening, what will increase your worth? What will increase your confidence? And something I do is list your top 10 fears. Now, if you're an introvert, it could be asking a stranger out to dinner For some weird reason because you just want to see if you do it um and it's and it's for me it's it's starting off at the easiest of those top 10 and then knocking off the list as we go and that starts to show like i'm actually am worth i'm actually capable of doing these things because a lot of people put these weird i used to be one of them put these weird restricted limits on themselves and it it says um like the average person will only use one-twentieth of their full potential so doing things like that, that activity I've just mentioned will help you push to two twentieths, which is one over 10. Now we've, we're halving it. And then to three twentieths, which is one over seven. So it by just focusing on oh, proving to yourself that you can overcome these things, I feel I've, I've seen that with a pattern with a lot of people that are just mentally attuned with it, that they go, what is the worst that can happen? That one sentence things in perspective of worst case scenario of what's not going to happen to you. So, um, one, for example, when I did this paddleboard for 14 hours, it was realizing that when I got asked, when the board sponsors like, come train with us. Yeah, sure. That my first thought is, Oh my God, what are they going to think of me? Cause I've never, the most I've ever paddleboarded is like 10 K and I've got times that by eight now. And it's realizing that what's the worst that can happen? Well, you know, they'll probably laugh at me. We're all good. But I don't have to go to war today. I don't have to go to get surgery. She'll be right. And that helps overcome. And when you did, when you do something scary, that for me, that was the scariest thing I've done first thing in the morning. It made the rest of my day easier. And what happens is you get used to that fight or flight. And it's just like, it's just another day. I've been through worse. And uh, she'll be right.
3: It's interesting. You mentioned the word fear. And I saw you write something. You said, is it possible to be entirely fearless? No. Yet, you can learn how to fear less. That's kind of where you're going with this, isn't It's actually knowing that it's there, but learning how to manage it and fear it less.
4: Totally. So a guy um, I really look up to, his name's Aubrey Marcus, and he, I think he said it so eloquently. He got asked, uh, Aubrey, if you could live your life with no fear would you and he says absolutely not and he said what he said was and this is where i kind of cultivated it from uh it's like playing nazi zombies and getting rid of all the zombies it wouldn't be as fun and it'd just be so easy <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah like nazi zombies. <laughs> that's it and for me it's you know what it's not as fun and it you, you can't be entirely fearless. That's the thing. You can't be entirely fearless. Even someone like Mike Tyson back in his prime, he was talking, even today in his interviews, he's like, I used to be shit scared of the guy in front of me. Um, and he's just how he managed it. And I feel like we can all do that. today. And we don't have to be here and just go straight out. I think it's, it's about building a crescendo. It, it's going to slowly intensify. And instead of going, how much can I knock out this week? It's just like, what can I do today? And then let's just get a little bit better as we go.
3: Well, mate, this is uh, this has been very enjoyable. So, where do um, where do we send people to find out more about TOEF, the book, your work? Uh, how do they How do they find you?
4: Yeah, so I think the best way, the hub, would be my site because my site has all my social media handles at the bottom. It's got if anyone wants to book me to speak because I'm speaking a fair bit these days. It's got a direct link to the book. Um, any of the bios, whatever, but it's just tofe, T-O-F-E hyphen E-B-A-N-S dot com. That's it.
3: For a, a young guy, you've got a very philosophical view on life. I guess it comes from experience. There's going to be loads and loads more you've got to do. I'm envious that your knees are able to help you do all you do because I'd love to be doing those things with you, but my knees... At this point, science won't allow it. So I'm very, I have knee envy or running envy, but um, yeah, envy. thanks for
2: your time, mate. Stop making excuses, <laughs> Burt Whistle.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> mate, no, thank, uh, thank you, lot. Thank you for having me. I really, I really am humbled that you guys asked me to come on board. Hi,
0: I'm Maria Grundberg. I'm a climber. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro four times and summited Mount Everest this year of May. Oh, man, I'm struggling through the Mojo Show. The
2: Mojo Radio Show. We talk about grit a lot on the show, but if you ever needed an example, there's a perfect one.
3: Well, it has been a bit of a theme for the last number of years. Five seasons on the show is resilience and grit. And it's something we're all craving. And yes... We hear wonderful stories about it, but I think it's probably more important for
2: people to finish listening to the show and then doing something with it, really. Mm, Absolutely. It actually reminds me of last week's show. There's a little piece that hit the cutting room floor that didn't make it to air that's quite appropriate. It takes years to unwind decades of neurology, Um, but if I can push that lead domino, I'm happy. So there's a link between last show and this week's.
3: Yeah, I think the takeout for everybody who was sitting there with their journal open on a bus going to work, Sitting in the gym doing their lap pull downs, listening to this show is what will be a domino. So what adversity are you facing in or out of work? What's something that you've always thought is too hard, too tough, don't have the energy, don't have the education, don't have the whatever. And I think what's the most powerful about that is to write down what is just the first domino, just the first, the first step you can take, the first notch to move you towards it because that's how Toph started. I mean, he didn't do all these things all at one day. He has gritted, he's, he's gusted out by running to the end of the street and then the next time, the next telephone pole. So it's a um, it's a good piece that ties Tom and Toaf together. Mm, exactly.
2: And another note for the studio wall. The Mojo Radio Show. Pop quiz, hot shot. Pop quiz, hot shot. I <laughs> wish you'd give me some notice on these. All right, way we go. Yep. I'm a legendary 72-year-old singer. A 72-year-old singer. Um,
3: how old's Mick Jagger? It's not Mick Jagger. Okay, right. Now, this singer said they were wilder when they were nine years old than when they were a teenager. This singer ran away from home, stole a horse, jumped on a freighter, and kept going until her girlfriend started crying for her mother. Now, her mum is 92 years old and still alive, and her mother's name is
2: Georgia Holt. Anything? Cher? How'd you know that? Uh, just a guess. <laughs> so Not a bad one, though. Cher
3: was on Graham Norton last week, and Graham asked her about her mum and some advice that her mum gave her. And her mum said this many, many years ago. If it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter. And Cher's comment was both her and her mum have lived through lots of five-year periods combined. So it stood the test of time. And I just think it's a great piece of advice. If it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter. So here to take us out... You have a choice. Just push out for a second. All right, you have a choice of these four songs. For the, I'm leaving, leaving the play out to
2: you this week. If you play "I Got You, Babe," I'm gonna kill you. Do you want to do this song? <laughs> mm, nah. All right, what about this one? original's best or this could be an option
1: <laughs>
2: the only condition I'll play that song on is if you put that gaffer tape away now <laughs> and the other
3: option is probably I think one of her biggest and most current hits which I think probably within the last decade which is not bad for someone who's 72 it could be this Do you be
2: Yeah, let's play that. That song started a whole new sound in pop, just like we always love on this show, something new and innovative. Where else? No
1: matter how hard I try
2: See you next time.